My name is Christopher Peter and welcome to the podcast on the Christopher Peter Review, where we have conversations on the salient current events impacting our public policy, economic outcomes, and overall society. Podcasts here and the common sense commentary available on our content channels focus on providing ideas to help make our society a better place to live, work, and thrive in. In this podcast episode, we are going to discuss the need for diversity in hiring. How well the federal government is handling the foreign policy challenges that appear to be creeping right up to our border. And discuss ideas on how the federal government can better manage our national debt, which now exceeds our annual gross domestic product for quite some time now. So let us begin this special edition of the Christopher Peter Review Podcast. The best candidate should get the job period. That should not be a controversial sentiment. Where the controversy resides is when there are situations where the best candidate might not have gotten the job because there is bias in the selection process or the pipeline of candidates is purposefully manipulated to limit the pool to pick from. We cannot deny that discrimination is a real problem in our society. There are many organizations that go to great levels to market their supposed diversity or awards they paid for in order to attract diverse pools of candidates, where their selection criteria will purposefully eliminate qualified candidates that do not fit a biased profile or allow certain candidates to circumvent the process in order to be a preferred choice. There are also biases that are sometimes personal, where people in hiring positions or positions that determine promotions may hold certain subconscious biases where they will eliminate candidates for consideration because of the so-called gut feeling. When that gut feeling is really the candidate's name does not sound like one from where they grew up or the candidate does not look like people they prefer to associate with. There are numerous ways discrimination impacts economic opportunities in any industry. That is why it is important for organizations to continue to seek ways to remove biases in their processes and diversify candidate pipelines. I am not a fan of quotas simply for the appearance of diversity. Again the best candidates should get the jobs. Using injustice to cure injustice just proves that two wrongs may make a right. My name is Jennifer and welcome. The argument for quotas is that there were essentially quotas used in the past to keep minorities out of high-paying, economically beneficial opportunities, why not use that level the playing field? But, I agree with you that this practice does not solve the problem. Because solutions should eliminate or at the very least reduce the negative not redistribute. A problem I have with the general notion that the best person should get the job makes it seem like the minority might not be the best person. I know that is not what you are saying but there are some that may mean that when they say it. In all fairness, the only way for the best person to get a job is through a completely objective process where there is no leeway for people to determine what they claim is fit or how well they mesh. Or minimize the impact of those traits. Many organizations will have a method of identifying a pool of candidates to interview based on objective criteria, but have very subjective measures to determine the final candidate. I do think that approach does give hiring managers the appearance of diversity, but the wiggle room to find that demographic match they may have been looking for in the beginning subconsciously or not. I agree fit is somewhat important because a team has to work well together, but it cannot be the only determining factor. If the hiring manager does not associate personally with a diverse crowd, what are the chances that they will see a fit professionally with someone outside of what they perceive as their norm? I am Adriana. I think the opportunity for some organizations is working to diversify their candidate pipelines and having multi-channels for recruitment. There is a real need for greater exposure for opportunities that some groups have been excluded from in the past. And if you really want the best candidate to get the job, you must ensure you have a broad enough search to have the pool with the best possible candidates available. I get the problem with quotas, but I think they can be better managed. 
like going through a round of hiring and allow for the flexibility to open a few spots up if the class of new hires is not as diverse as it could be. The end goal should be that people regardless of their demographics should be able to compete in a fair and equitable process. That is not the current situation right now. But, there are reasonable opportunities to move forward in a manner that does not give handouts but affords visibility where society was once blind to. I certainly agree with your points. We need more objective measures to reduce bias in our processes and we can be creative in our methods to cast a wider net for a better pool of candidates. Diversity makes our society and organizations better. It is a benefit not a challenge as long as an organization can help guide everyone to achieve the same goal and accepts the same level of objective standards. In many of our social problems, there are macro-level aspects of the topic and micro-level aspects as well. For those of you who are not economists, a macro-level is a high level like an industry or society scale and micro is a particular organization or region per se. Do not want to come off as condescending, just want to make sure we are all on the same page. We discussed the macro level, but what about the micro level regarding the NFL? Do they have a hiring problem in regards to diversity in hiring? The argument that people make on this topic is that 70% of the players are minorities so 70% of the coaches, front office, and owners should look the same. I do think more black coaches or other minorities. But, again not a backer of the quota. One could argue that the population of players does not match the overall population. But, not every industry or economic pursuit matches our population. There are certain fields that are more attractive to some groups of people and other groups prefer other professions. The goal again should be that people should have a fair chance at obtaining employment in a desired field if they are able to demonstrate the skill, ability, and fit for that opportunity. More so the skill and ability. I do agree that black head coaches are not given the same leeway that their white counterparts are given. They are more likely to be fired for lack of success early. I do think there are many coordinators who never even get an interview when they have the skill set. I do not agree with casting every hire that is not a minority as a potential discriminatory hire. There are many times where the best performance during an interview can secure a job over better qualified candidates who do not present as well. In my opinion, the NFL can help solve this problem with greater opportunities for mentoring overall and greater corporate level training so that all potential candidates are better prepared for the process and not just the ones who had opportunities to work with the elite head coaches. The Rooney rule opens the door. But, if you do not develop the pipeline or level, balance it to a degree, you will always get the same results. There are different strategies of recruitment done for different types of roles in an organization. Right? If you are hiring a class of candidates the standards are much different than when a single person is hired. Typically, organizations select their CEOs from a maintained list of candidates that should the job become available, they will recruit from that list. They track the careers of these individuals or see the progress in the areas that under the respective purview of the candidate. So, they have a general sense of what they are acquiring. It is not the same when you are hiring an at-will employee who if you are wrong you just end the relationship with little cost or setbacks. The opportunity is to encourage leaders to expand that list. Sometimes we lose the forest through the trees. When you are tracking a handful of candidates, you may miss the gems that rise suddenly. If you have an open-minded and an objective process, you may find that what you thought you were seeking is not the right direction for this hire. Or that after you expose the decision-makers to other possibilities, your original criteria is what is really best for the organization at the moment. A wide and thorough search will help you find the best candidate, either reaffirming your list or exposing you to someone you might have missed and allowed a competitor to benefit from. That is something to consider as well. There is a need for the candidates to earn the positions as well. 
When I hear people downplay the real problem with interviewing issues, I question why does that person not work on their interviewing skills? Maybe they do or maybe they do not. Also, you have to be able to adequately address shortcomings in your past. Some simple Google searches might help some of these so-called pundits on these networks see why certain candidates are having issues with hiring. That is not the case with all. But, that is a reality for many people who have lost their jobs based on performance or having records from a moment of poor decisions. That is why I believe that hiding records does not help the process. Rather than individual needs to help hiring managers or decision makers understand how that setback made them a better person and how they are better able to handle adversity than the average candidate. Back to football, I agree that training seminars and mentoring can help candidates seeking advancements to understand the basics or the process. The stars will always shine. But some diamonds may be pulled from the rough. Whether you are recruiting for a small business, a large corporation, or a high-profile sports league, you should ensure that you are recruiting the best talent by maintaining a diverse pipeline of candidates. Too many organizations rely on relatives of people currently working there or people in their Rolodex. Instead, they need to cast a wider net, execute a fair and objective process, and potentially find ways to influence their candidates' pools by working with skill creators like education systems. There are many organizations that will allow you to claim diversity awards as long as you pay the subscription fee. But, Organizations who truly embrace diversity will avoid the negative consequences that come with companies that completely avoid it. The foreign policy of the Biden administration is being directly tested by not only Russian aggression, but also our economic and diplomatic adversaries in China, North Korea, and Iran. While America is not a direct participant in the conflict in Ukraine, our federal government has made significant investments and contributions to Ukraine's defense efforts. In response, Russia has seen support from nations who oppose our standing in the world and our stance on freedom, democracy, and personal economic opportunity. Many people in the media are downplaying the recent spat of spy balloons over our airspace. But, in an article on Politico, there was a troubling connection between the military parade and then the occurrence of these balloons over areas where our air defense systems would respond to any potential missiles from North Korea or Russia. This was followed by an incursion by a Russian fighter jet into American airspace. One has reason to question our standing in the world if all of these nations seem poised to challenge our resolve and willingness to push back on these infringements. Although many of these are not justifications for a military conflict, it is justification to stop trying to spend taxpayer dollars supporting these oppressive regimes, engaging in trade with nations that oppose us, or reverse sanctions that hold evildoers accountable. These are not random acts, but ones planned well in advance. Geopolitical incidents do not just occur on a whim but are strategically timed events when leaders of these nations believe the moments position them for the greatest chance of success. Or at the very least, the greatest ability to avoid consequences. There always is a strategic calculus to decide if a nation is capable of responding and when. Do we have assets in place? Do they feel we have maintained our defense systems at an adequate level to match their upgrades in technology and capability? We have the greatest military and defense in the world by far, but one can question whether our national leadership will be able to respond. Will our president need a nap or two before deciding what the path forward is? Will our Congress spend too much time bickering over partisan lines before agreeing on the appropriate response to approve? These are all legitimate questions given what we have seen recently. My name is Brad and welcome. I believe the answer to these important questions, based on what we have recently seen, is that we do not really know and may be doubtful. 
there is not an issue where we have seen our government be on the front foot in their response. A great level of bumbling and fumbling as well as poor communication has made many feel like there is not much competence in the powers that be. Even in recent domestic issues, there is a questionable delay in the quality of the federal response. All that factors into whether a nation believes we can and will respond to their provocations. But the question is what is the proper response? We should not go to war over every provocation. This is not the era where European monarchs recklessly engaged in conflicts over pointless incidents. I do think it is appropriate to decide whether America should provide any form of benefit to nations that position themselves as our enemy. We probably should not engage in trade with them either. This is a moment for America, Europe, and allies like Japan to come together and form a trade partnership not just on energy but on goodwill between allies that respect democracy, freedom, and human rights. I agree. After what our economy experienced during the pandemic and with the ongoing supply issues, we really need to rethink who we do business with and where our products and services are manufactured. If our trade partners are going to use those proceeds to fund infringements on our sovereign airspace, privacy of our citizens, and not abide by the basic standards of human rights, then we need to find ways to trade with nations that are better and more proven allies. We should have trade agreements with Britain, the European Union, Japan, and other allies that are strategic and more closely aligned with our values and ideals. That is not radical at all. Our final topic is how we can better manage our national debt. There are many people who struggle with credit. Especially nowadays. We see data that more and more people utilize credit and less people are paying off that debt within that month. This is a problem that can spiral out of control if you start to spend beyond what you owe. Certainly there are times when you need to supplement your situation with capital beyond what you take home from work, investing, or side earnings. But, one-time events should not become common occurrences if you want to avoid credit issues. Many people are bad with credit. Those people tend to obsess with spending their way out of problems rather than addressing problems in cost-effective manners. Based on some charts in the Wall Street Journal, our federal government became extreme spenders right after the financial crisis. Now, there was a legitimate need for the federal government to spend because America and the world was in the midst of an economic crisis. But, there was little to no subsequent actions to reel back in the spending to levels that were more manageable. We know that nations that have debt exceeding their annual God P may have catastrophic issues. But, there always is the narrative that America is exempt for the real consequences other nations experienced not so long ago. Some feel that debt is not a real problem. That is a myth. A rather dangerous ones that makes enacting the hard choices today. We do need a change of economic dogma from the Obama era where there was more acceptance of nationalizing functions better done by private entities or the market. The financial crisis provided an opportunity for the government to enter certain industries, which helped it insert itself further into the healthcare industry. The government should scale back towards being the rule setter and the enforcement entity. This will reduce expenses that are better spent by private entities where the cost will be tied directly to revenue and better managed. Also, the federal government should not subsidize able-bodied people to the point they never have to work a day in their life. Entitlements are a growing expense that people do not want to acknowledge. We can also do more to spend our defense dollars more effectively and efficiently. Across all aspects of the government's purview, we should proactively look at spending money in a more appropriate manner. We cannot continue down this path of having a government that grows in cost and shrinks when needed. My name is JP and welcome. When you look at fixing your credit situation, the first approach is usually looking at your expenses. Look at every charge hitting your credit and debit cards, as well as ones that you withdraw funds for or write checks. Then setting a monthly budget that fits your income, exclusive of credit available. Obviously, if you budget factoring in your credit, you will make little progress on reducing the credit total. 
Organizationally, the same approach would be needed to address how to pay down debt. In the private sector, organizations may choose to refinance their credit debt with stock releases. For the government, there usually will be financing activity or new bonds issued to pay down debt. A major part of paying down our debt will be fostering a strong growth economy that allows excess tax receipts that can be used to apply to the national debt. Raising taxes is an ineffective short-term approach. The greater impact will be increasing economic activity and economic sustainability that will allow additional unbudgeted funds to come into the government coffers that can be diverted. Avoids any harm to businesses, consumers, or taxpayers. At some point, there really needs to be a serious discussion on how to address our fiscal situation. The solution will not solely be to cut spending or to raise taxes. Might be a mixture of both to some degree, combined with increasing economic activity and applying excess proceeds to be applied to the debt. The solution is not easy. None of our social issues are. But they all get much harder when we continue to pretend like they do not exist or kick the can down the road. Eventually that road ends because we cannot afford to extend it. To recap, we discussed improving diversity in hiring, how inadequate our foreign policy and federal response has been, and how to improve our debt management. The ideas shared here by themselves will not solve the problems by themselves. A 20-minute podcast episode will not do that. Cannot do that. More conversations and discussions will be needed. But, our goal should really be to think about the issues that impact our society and our own economic outcomes and try to determine what the best way to proceed. Many people in power of setting our public policy do not truly believe that the general public thinks about these issues on a daily basis. Many feel that news shapes the way the public feels and they can influence that by controlling how the news is presented or managing what is allowed to be out there. The best asset for a free democracy is an informed public. One that is able to help push for solutions that achieve the greatest amount of benefit for society in the most effective and efficient manner for the greatest number of people. We need to not bound ourselves by partisan or ideological constraints. Because, if any one group had all the right ideas, we would not be in the mess we are in today. In closing, I thank Jennifer and the team for their continued contributions to this podcast. I especially thank the audience for taking the time to experience this episode of the Christopher Peter Review Podcast. We truly appreciate your viewership and continue to collaborate to ensure we offer you common sense and informative content. Please continue to visit us at www.crcrvw.com for new content and explore the content channels available. Thank you once again for experiencing this podcast episode and we will see you next time.